You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. How are you doing, Mike? Uh, not too bad. How about yourself? Good. We've had a good week here at the good old Massive Late Fee. Although, it's been quite a sad week. First, uh, Wilford Brimley. Well, I actually, I think chronologically, these things happened in a different order. But I want to talk about the other one uh, more in depth. So, Wilford Brimley died. Uh, I assume... Some kind of complication of diabetes. <laughs> Probably. I mean, it's got to be, right? So that was sad, but he was, I believe, 83, something like that. Yeah, he was pretty old. Yeah, big old walrus mustache, uh, known for The Thing. Uh, I, th- I believe a TV show called Our House with Shannon uh, Doherty. I, yeah, I've heard of that. I, that's I, I've never actually seen it, but I, I do know he was in something called that. It was one of those things that was inexplicably popular in the eighties, but when you look back on it, it absolutely sucks. And it never the John Larroquette effect. Yeah, exactly. It never really took off, or for for whatever reason, like it was popular while it was on, but it never got big in syndication. Pretty much after the show was over, everyone was like, "Eh, okay, we we don't care about this anymore." Yeah, but things he was in Hard Target as well as. Uh... As Chance, uh, Chance, oh shit, what's fucking Chance, Chance the Rapper? Dubois. No, uh, Chance Ruffin? Yeah, it's, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, what's his name? Um, Jean Claude Van Damme's character. It's like Chance LaCroix or something like that. Oh, okay. But yeah, but yeah, he, he played like some random guy he knew who, who had a bow and arrow, and that's kind of what happens. Interesting. So Jean Claude Van Damme's character must have been a big fan of uh, fizzy water beverages. Yeah, aren't we all? The berry flavor is the best. Anyway, yeah, I, I, I can't remember. It's, it's Lacroix, or it's, it's some some. You know, it's 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 back when they were explaining why I had the exit. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know that every like action uh, action star has that trajectory where at first like, oh well, you know, he's uh he's from he's from Brussels. Yeah, talks to that. Eventually, they're like, yeah. Eventually, you know, like Sylvester Stallone, they're like, you know, he, he he's he's got you know he's got some issues, and later's like, yeah, whatever. he killed everybody, in, uh, everybody in Afghanistan. <laughs> I love I love that Jean Claude Van Damme's excuse or whatever reason is I'm from Brussels, and Sylvester Stallone says I have some issues. Haven't you heard him talk or look at him? <laughs> Why do you sound like that? I got some issues. I'm from Brussels. <laughs> oh my goodness! You know, uh, apparently the reason that he talks like that, or one of the reasons that he talks like that, when is he was uh, delivered. There were forceps. I think there was a forcep injury. What? His, I thought it was uh, only two steps. <laughs> no. <laughs> Too bad we don't have the crickets this time. <laughs> I, they might come out for that one. Yeah. No, no, yeah. The, the four Except subs. for Buddy Holly, who, uh, well, we know. Oh, my goodness. I'm Buddy Holly. I'm the biggest star in the world. Whatever happened to the rest of the crickets? I don't know. That's a very good question. You would think they would have been able to make some decent music. Did they Did they become session musicians or something? See, I don't know if they were. I, I don't know enough, and by enough, I mean anything about Buddy Holly. I don't think I know one Buddy Holly song. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if they were actually. See, I always wonder. Like, uh, I know Nelly's okay, but the St. Lunatics. <laughs> I haven't heard about them in years. I mean, are they fine? <laughs> Are they, are they all right? That might be the first time anyone has equated Buddy Holly with Nelly. <laughs> I don't know. I hope they're well, okay. All sorts of like you know, like like a kid rock the rest of his band. I mean, uh, fuck him. Who cares? Right. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. What about what about the hermits? You know, Herman's yeah. hermits. <laughs> what I mean, happened? They're probably to all very old. Yeah. They need to uh, shelter in place because they're at high risk for COVID-19. They have to be very old. I mean, what about the Silver Bullet Band? What do they have to? Yeah, that's that's actually a very good question. They must live locally, right? I, I can't imagine they don't. Uh, yeah, that, that, that has to be just a bunch of guys that, that Bob Seger found somewhere. Wait, wait a second. The cover to the new album just says Bob Seger. <laughs> Go start your own show, I guess. <laughs> Maybe they bought uh, steak in Coors, the silver bullet. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's about the equivalent, I imagine, quality wise. <laughs> no, I'm sure they were very good. Yeah, they 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 were very successful, right? Anyway, I mean, for, I mean, really, for like a what a ten year period. I, I mean, who could who was more successful than Bob Seger from like seventy five to eighty five? Maybe I'm off on that ten year frame, but no i'd say that's pretty yeah, i'd right. say it's probably more like like 72 to 82 but i'd say that's pretty accurate yeah, you're probably right i mean he went on his uh farewell tour way back in like 1982 so. <laughs> yeah exactly i've made all the money possible in these last 10 years the silver bullet band got a little <laughs> some of them used uh regular bullets <laughs> To bring it down a little bit, the other death, uh, probably, well, I would say, I'd say even nationally, honestly, although I, it's obvious it's not a big, it's not a big, big story nationally, but I know that this guy probably touched people that live in various parts of, of the world. And, you know, he, he was from California, schooled in Illinois and, uh, you know, made a, a star or at least a mainstay here on sports radio in Detroit. Uh, Jamie Samuelson, very shockingly, uh, passed yeah, away from colon cancer at 48, uh, you know, a few yeah, days ago. I think, I think it was just last Monday, uh, spoiler recording this on Tuesday. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. so it was like a week ago he announced that he had it and it's, it, it was one of the, it seems like it was one of those scenarios where, you know, someone tells you and then like a week, you know, literally like less than a week later they're gone. I mean, yeah, he, he died on Saturday, I believe. Yeah, basically, I think he finally told everyone when it was clear that uh, that you know it was imminent. I guess, and I yeah, had, I, I guess, I guess technically he had beaten the colon cancer, but it had spread to other parts of his body, like his liver and stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's you know no good, obviously. I I hadn't uh, heard the announcement. It's been a while since I've listened to to sports radio because of all the great podcasts. <laughs> Oh, I listen all the time. Uh, weird, weird spot for a uh, a plug, but but anyway, but uh, so I, I hadn't really heard. And when Mike, you, you could have a uh, you could have an airplane fly over the uh, funeral. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mike, you note you were the one that that notified me that it happened basically uh, because I saw your thing on Twitter, and that was the the first that I had heard about it, and I was incredibly shocked. Uh, like like we said, young, very young, uh, especially yeah, forty eight. Colon cancer, you know, they they generally recommend about 50 that you start getting checked for that. But I, I do hear that it's coming in younger and younger. So, you know, 
it's a it's a here's here's my public service announcement i guess most of the time uh obviously anytime anybody dies of cancer it's tragic but most of the time with colon cancer it's one of the most beatable cancers but it's also i think the second or third uh most fatal cancer because the problem is is that people are un- un- uncomfortable with the idea of getting colonoscopies and stuff like that but colon cancer for the most part grows very slowly and when caught early is very beatable uh no reason why jamie samuelson should have thought hey at at 42 i should get oh, no, checked I mean- for for colon cancer because that's a really freakishly weird age to get it or, you know early age to get it but you know colonoscopies yeah, are very important and he was definitely, you know, you know, in shape uh, by all counts, mm-hmm. right? Well, he was just living like, you know, how people should live. And yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, they don't recommend you get screened generally until you're 50. And he was two years away from that. So yeah. Know, it's insane. Yeah, definitely not saying like it's his fault or anything. And definitely not saying anyone that, that gets colon cancer, it's their fault or, or anything like that. Just trying to to let people know that, you know, the importance of early screenings for, for things like that, because, you know, they can prevent uh, tragedies like this. So, you know, if you, uh, if you have a loved one, you know, if you're in an, an at-risk group or, or, or whatever, um, I know Jamie Samuelson, towards the end of his life, wanted to, or told people, you know, to make sure that they started, you know, getting screenings and, and things like that. And he kind of wanted to, you know, advance that, that idea to do something good with his final days. Um, but, I mean, obviously, I started listening to Samuelson probably i think it was 95 maybe 95 or 96 i'd come home from school and from high school and i would turn on the radio and listen to jamie and greg i don't know if you if you go back that far mike or remember i didn't really get into sports like uh local sports radio until like in the mid 2000s early Mm. 2000s yeah but so I, i listened to jamie and greg and i thought i always thought that they were hilarious uh jamie seemed to like the be the perfect kind of foil for uh, Greg Henson, and then obviously, you know, he things moved on, and and you know, people moved on, and and they moved radio stations, and then for a long time, I listened to him with with Wojo, uh, Jamie and Wojo. He moved to the morning show to be with Stony, and just an absolute legend, uh, brilliant guy. I met him once at uh, at MGM Casino. When I was playing three card poker, I saw him and Wojo when they were, I, they used to do a, I think a lion show or something like that live at the casino. And I just happened to see them and I kind of waved and they came right over. <laughs> like I wait, I did not expect it. They wait, I waved and they came right over. So I like stood up from the table and talked to him for about 10 minutes, you know, about sports and things that were going on, what they were up to and, and things like that. And both of them seemed from you know my limited interaction with them to just be i mean outstanding like i said they came right over i just waved you know they didn't just like kind of give me a hand wave back they're like hey let's go talk to this guy who recognizes us just very generous with their time very nice guys um and it's it's just it's a obviously a, a deep tragedy yeah it's it's just very sad so now on to fun <laughs> Maybe I should have started with that one, then went to Wilford Brimley, and we could have talked about the uh, the Silver Bullet Band and and I don't know. 
Maybe next time we do the exact same uh, story. <laughs> we'll just reverse it, and we'll t- we'll do it next episode too. We'll recap it, and y- you'll see which one sounds better, which one flows more naturally into comedy. I think we already know. Yeah, we do. But speaking of comedy, uh, it's time for the Parents Guide game, Mike. All right, I don't have a lot of clues, um, but I imagine you'll be able to guess this. Uh, this is kind of funny. Under <laughs> under violence and gore. It might be 23 or 27 people found this to be the case. It says, nope, none. <laughs> hmm. uh, let's see. I will say... Mm, oh, damn it. The Care Bears movie. No. All right. Moderate uses of fuck. <laughs> no violence or gore, but moderate uses of fuck. Okay. Uh, well, that's got to be the Police Academy movie. There's violence in the Police Academy movies. I wouldn't say gore, though. Uh, comic violence, maybe. There are people being shot. Yeah. Is that really that violent, though? Yeah, I guess not. No. I thought you were going to end that rant with yes. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. A man sticks his middle finger up at a woman. Scattered coarse language, including use of fuck, shit, pussy, asshole, dick. He sticks it up at a woman, huh? Is it coming to America? No. At the start, there's a scene where many people are smoking and drinking, and it's not Hunter S. Thompson. Interesting. No cocaine. (laughs) Um, hmm. At the beginning, I will say Forrest Gump. No. People are seen using IV drugs. Ooh. Uh, Is it uh, Requiem for a Dream? No. Okay. This is under frightening and intense scenes. None really, unless you count one of the characters is abruptly crying about her troubled affair with her ex-husband and another male character. I don't know if that means at the same time or what. Huh. The Ewan McGregor one. Train, train, train. Train... No, train spotting. That's trains. That's what it is. Train spotting. No, but yeah, it's not. It's not that because there's more that more frightening, intense scenes in there. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the gun in Betty Lou's handbag. <laughs> no. Oh look, there's those crickets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they came for the jokes. One of the characters, female, grabs another character, male's crotch after they kiss. Hmm. Is it, uh, oh, is it, what's that called? Mm. That's the game we're playing. Wet, wet Hot American Summer? <laughs> yep, Wet Hot American Summer. Nice! I remember in the lunch line. <coughs> I don't really like that movie that my wife was referencing it earlier. So I'm like, yeah, I know Mark likes that. I'll, I'll use that one. I do. That's one, it's one, it's a rare occasion where it's a comedy and I like it and you don't, or vice versa. Oh, it's a comedy? Supposedly. Yeah, they also did like a, a reunion movie, and then they did like a miniseries on Netflix. I don't know if you saw any of those. She watched them, and she liked them all. I watched everything and liked it all as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the Alex and I have that, like, from when we were growing up, basically. That's where that kind of humor, that kind of humor from those shows reminds me exactly of stuff that Alex and I thought was funny when we were growing up. 
So it does not surprise me at all. Yours now. Uh, we'll start with sex and nudity because why not? <laughs> uh, women wears. This is a really weirdly, <laughs> a really weirdly written sentence, but it says women wears a low cut top showing large deal of cleavage and has an exposed stomach. Oh, I like the large cleavage part. Oh yeah. Is this um, dude? Where's my car? No. Uh, let's see. Posters in a store features gir- feature girls in their bikinis. <laughs> or oh, yoga hosers. That's closer. Uh, let's see. Violence. Or no, let's do profanity. <clears throat> 90, not, or 90 uses of fuck. <laughs> One displayed on a license plate. 22 paired with mother. Huh. It sounds like a Quentin Tarantino thing, but can't be, that, that's sort of enough to fuck on the license plate thing. I can't imagine you could actually put that on a license plate. Well, it reads, specifically, it reads F C K no U. Is this uh, Fast Times or Ridgemont High? I don't think they swear that much, though. No. Uh, it's 56 uses of the N word. <laughs> okay, so it is a Quentin Tarantino movie. Uh, Pulp Fiction? No. 88, I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to go down, because there's a lot of them. I'm going to go down the list of most of the rest of the profanity. 88 uses of shit, three paired with bull. <laughs> 78 uses of ass, plus four more in the director's cut version. 32 uses of hell, 20 uses of bitch, plus two more in the director's cut version. Nine uses of hoe. Some are used in song lyrics. Uh, three uses of God and two uses of Lord as exclamations. Oh, is this a bigger, longer, uncut South Park movie? No. I don't know when they'd say the N-word 56 times in that movie. Oh, yeah, that's right. That, they didn't say that at all. That, the other stuff made sense, though, but shit. Ah, okay. Dr- Go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. Drugs, alcohol, and smoking. Marijuana is used throughout the film. This pineapple. Exp- I don't think they use the word pineapple express, do they? I don't think so. <laughs> and Bigley Junior probably uh, wouldn't be involved. Though, like- right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, they use a lot of character names in here. A flashback shows one of the characters unwittingly, and another character smoking angel dust. Uh, is this, um, shit, is this, um, what's that movie with, uh, Dave Chappelle, the marijuana one? Is that it? No. Um. What's that movie called? High, something high is, I'm sure is in the title. How high? No, it's not how high. <laughs> no, it's, it's, fuck, what is that movie called? I know it too. It's Chappelle and Bob Saget directed it. Neil taking notes. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, let's see. Frightening and intense scenes. There is a drive-by shooting, but no one is hit by bullets. Minus two society? Nope. Although, well, now, in, in all honesty now, you're getting much closer now that you said menace to society. Uh, let's Dennis the menace? No, it's not Dennis the menace. <laughs> what did you call me, Dennis? <laughs> 
Mr. Wilson, you bitch at. Uh, let's You're listening see. to that rap music again, aren't you? This might be one. This might give it away to you. Uh, one of the characters is a giant neighborhood thug known to intimidate the residents on the block and oh, rob yeah. people of okay. their belongings. This is Friday. Then. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> it is Friday. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember the movie that well. Like the, the license plate thing, I don't remember at all. But obviously, the you're making a reference to the great tiny Lester. Lester. Mm, yes, exactly. Was, uh, local, local, I believe. Yes, that is correct. I was going to say, uh, this one might have given it to you, too. A woman is shown jogging in a sports bra with a slow-motion close-up of her breasts. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, it's just like, she's running by, and I think they just both go, damn, or something like that. I don't know. I can't do it, but you know. Uh, <laughs> so no, I don't know. Oh, okay. I guess it's just me. My to make this hard. <laughs> my racist ass. Um. Anyway, so this just in: Simpsons star Harry Shearer disagrees with producers' decisions to hire actors of color to play characters of color. Color. Ah, that fell apart on me. Did he really? It's uh, Yahoo. Do you think Yahoo would make that shit up? <laughs> They are the most trustworthy news source in the world. Actually, here's an even crazier story. You want to hear this crazier story? A Harry Shearer demands that no black people be hired by the Simpsons. He he, he asks for a separate fountain. Actually, <laughs> no, this is a separate story that doesn't involve Harry Shearer. Okay. By the way, the way he's dressed is hilarious. He's dressed like Steven Tyler. Yes, he does do that. I don't know why. I don't, oh, I don't well, either. Okay, is that fashion icon Harry Shearer? <laughs> He's got that Simpsons money, so he can do. The, the, here's the thing: he, no one's looked him in the eye for like thirty years now. He's got that Probably, kind of money. Yeah. So, Obviously. so. Oh man, can you imagine how awful it'd be to be like a newcomer to like the uh, production crew of The Simpsons? Oh God! <laughs> got to hear with what's her name talking about fucking Zenu every five minutes. <laughs> Which one is that? Nancy Cartwright. Yeah. I mean, literally everybody on the cast is like somebody who really tried very hard for a long time to be an actor and it didn't quite work out. Yeah. Yeah. And then now they, you know, they, they got, in a sense, they got lucky. I mean, when you, who would expect a, uh, you know, a cartoon to be able to, you know, you make mil- like a million dollars an episode probably or more. I wonder if, I wonder if Tracy Ullman gets anything from, from this. She oh, get, I, I, I don't know. That's a really good question. she get any kind of is kickback? She, like, is she, she a, a secret producer or something? What'd you say? Has she even guest starred? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if she's ever guest starred or not. I feel that she has, and that's probably her biggest credit now. <laughs> she has to have guest starred, right? Because you know she's a, a famous I, person, or, or she has. you know, and every famous yes. person at one time or another has been on the. Is she, is she a famous person? Well, she's close. Do you think if you took a picture of Tracy Ullman up to somebody randomly on the street and said, "Who is this?" Do you think they'd give you the answer? I think it would be I think it might be like 60-40 against her <laughs> you, should, you should put that on your Twitter right now Who is this? <laughs> name this person Oh, I'll give you a thousand dollars if you can name her without looking up, without googling it Don't do a reverse image search See, I often want to play that game but I want to play with people who are like, you know, sudden experts in like, uh, you know, viruses Oh yeah, there you go I'm like, okay, you're an expert in viruses, huh? Like, yeah, okay. Name five parts of a cell. <laughs> Ugh, 
Trump. <laughs> oh my god, that would be great. <laughs> you have to put someone on the spot. You couldn't like tweet it because like, oh well. You yeah, know, exactly. We'll just look it up. up. Sorry, uh, I know you're all chomping at the bit for the story though. This is insane. Yeah, tell a me. miner, M I N E R, not O R, okay. who discovered the largest Tanzanite gems ever, has now found a third, and it's worth millions. Oh my god. Good okay, so listen to me. You're a miner, and you find the largest gem of all time, and you know it's worth more than this one, which is worth millions. So you're you, you're set, right? You have millions of dollars, mm-hmm. and you go back out, and you keep looking for gems. <laughs> Seriously, this guy must just—he's not in it for the money. He's in it for the love of the mining. Yeah, he's like, ah, <laughs> this is just, this is just how I keep score. <laughs> exactly. Holy shit. How do you find the largest, uh, uh, di- whatever it was, Tanzanite or whatever, twice? Yeah. This guy's going to be in the minor hall of fame. Right. That's what, see, that's, that's what the, the real uh, secret of this whole thing is. The, uh, the world mining championship is worth billions. Exactly. Exactly. You ever watch that? It's right after the World Series of Poker, the World Mining Championship. <laughs> Lon, Lon McCarran and, and Norman Chad also do the announcing for that. <laughs> well, Norman, it looks like he's going with a uh, with a split axe here. That's a oh. some guy from, from Tanzania who just like all the nuances of like how to find the best gym. <laughs> Oh, he's going down that false mine load. Uh, I, don't, I don't know enough about mining to make jokes about yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> See, that, that, that just made me think of this. This is what always kills me. Is like, uh, do you ever, you know, when like you watch like a sport that's like, the first year ever, mm-hmm. and they have an announcer and they have like a color camera, but they have like the guy who's like an expert on the sport that just made up. Yeah. It's like in the movie Basketball, where there's something like, you know, in year two, like, oh, he's doing the triples. <laughs> yep. Here's our volleyball expert. Tom, you were a uh, you were a, a uh, an RA last year, weren't you, Tom? <laughs> Ooh, here's our full contact pickleball expert, <laughs> Bob Uger. Oh my God! Oh, he would be a great expert on it. Yeah, uh, I wish I could do a impersonation of him. Uh, Norm Macdonald does a pretty good. I mean, it's not spot on, but he does a pretty yeah. good impersonation of him. Yeah, you'd be able to tell who it was if he didn't announce who it was. He's good with voices. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, speaking of people who are good with voices. Oh, by the way, I chose uh, Friday because Regina King is in Friday. Is she? Yeah, she's the sister. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I barely remember that movie at all. And her character's name in Friday? Angela Abar. No, it's not. It's not. Um, But anyway, so... And, you know, obviously, Regina King is in this show, The Watchmen, which we watched. We watchmen The Watchmen this this week. Mike, I am so mad because last week I almost said to you, I think I thought this was too crazy, though, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> but I almost said to you, I think Calvin might be Dr. Manhattan because I watched the first three episodes over again. And she says to her her grandpa um dr manhattan can't look like us and i was like as soon as she said that when i when, she, when i went, watched it the second time as soon as she said that i'm like oh i'll bet you i'll bet she's black and then, and then suddenly it, it's 
occurred to me who it would be in the cast, you know, sure. that, it, that it would be him. So I almost I said it to him. you, and I was so mad that I didn't. But I thought to myself, that's too crazy. Yeah, well, spoiler alert, that's, that's the big reveal at the end of this episode. <laughs> and I did not think that she, that she knew about it. I thought it was going to be that he was just... Because, okay, so this episode, they start out with a newsreel about John Osterman, uh, Dr. Manhattan, and his, you know, his early beginnings and, and all that stuff. And then they go into Vietnam because it's, I think it's supposed to be the 4th of July or it's some sort of, maybe it's Vietnamese Independence Day. I think it's a celebration Day. of when they became the 51st state. I'm not 100% sure. It looks warm, but whenever, I've never seen a picture of Vietnam that doesn't look warm. So That's I don't true. Know takes place. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, so it, it's a celebration day and there's things of... Um, you know, Dr. Manhattan all around, little dolls and, and things like that. There's a puppet show going on. I thought this, I didn't, obviously I didn't know what was going to happen, but as I was watching the episode, the guy doing the puppeteering for Dr. Manhattan, kind of miming him murdering the Vietnamese people. I look, you know, there's a, a great shot from underneath of his face. And I said to myself, this is one of the things that makes this show so good is I don't know who this actor is, but they got a guy that is good enough to to look like he's concentrating, but also like he's pissed to be doing this. And I didn't know that he was going to be part of this plot, but I'm like, he looks angry. <laughs> and I'm like, I think that's like, I think that's a subtle like thing underneath the surface of not everyone's happy about this whole Dr. Manhattan thing and being the 51st oh, sure, state. Yeah. And then, and then little did I know it wasn't so under the surface. Yeah, it's it's interesting. In the comics they describe it as like the the Vietnamese people almost worshiping like Doctor Manhattan because mm-hmm. he like basically grew to like a hundred feet and just like burned everybody to death with like fire from his palms. Correct. But, I mean, yeah, you would yeah, for sure there'd still be resentment. You know, I mean, every no one is happy to be taken over. There's always some group left that you know is was the enemy at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so oh, go ahead. So yeah, he, I'm sorry. So yeah, she's going to the video store. Uh, for our younger view, uh, listeners, uh, there used to be these stores that had these things called video cassettes that you could pay a, a small sum of money for, and you could borrow them for a short period of time. And if you wouldn't be on that period of time, you owed a late fee, which could sometimes become massive. Correct. <laughs> and yeah, then, so she finds and then you might going. name a podcast after it. Right. But yeah. So um, she, uh, you know, there's this uh, this videotape that she loves. She wants to see. It's called uh, Sister Night. Mm-hmm. Which uh, someone uh, someone considered to be a black exploitation film, but uh, I, I, I used to work with a guy who was actually a big fan of these movies. And he preferred the term soul cinema, so I'll go with his term soul cinema. It's the same thing. Oh, I like that. Argument. Yeah, I like yeah, that. it sounds much nicer too. Um, but yeah, so it's like this uh, almost like uh, you know like a superhero type character, which you know you imagine in this world where they have you know people who have been super- superheroes. There's you know obviously some interest in documenting it with the uh, what is it? The, I forget their fucking name. The uh, the Minutemen, I think. Crime, yeah. You know, the, the, yeah, whatever that is. I can't remember. That's not it. But um, uh, I think it's called American Crime Story, and it's American Crime so. Story Minutemen or something like okay, that. Okay, yeah, that, that, that sounds more correct. But, I mean, clearly there's, you know, interest in documenting it. So someone's made, like, a movie like that with this uh, African-American lady uh, who's called Sister Night, which obviously is uh, the name that uh, Angela Abar uh, takes up next time. Mm-hmm. Inspiration. It's, uh, it's Sister Night, the nun with the motherfucking fun. <laughs> that's what it says on the uh, it's awesome. 
Yeah, so she goes to see her parents. Uh, her parents are both. I think the dad is in the military for sure. I I don't remember about the mom if she was dressed in uniform or not. I think it's just I think it's just her dad. I, okay, but yeah, then this uh, guy comes up on a bike and yells "Death to the invaders!" and he suicide bombs himself and kills both her parents and shoots her back a long amount of time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Or, or distance, not time. He doesn't shoot her back in time. My, my apologies. <laughs> Although there is a bit of going back in time during this entire sequence, because during the entire time that she's remembering these things, it's intercut with memories that we've seen already of uh, Will, uh, her grandfather, and his life. Yep, and then uh, it's also like we cut to her dad saying, you know, don't, you know, don't worry, don't get this. He he refuses. She keeps trying to rent this movie, and he refuses every time. Or actually, no, that's not correct. Right before the bomb goes off, he tells her to take it back because just people who are masks are dangerous. You should be afraid of them. Yep, absolutely. And he's like, why? And he goes, because they're hiding something. Which mm-hmm. you know, his father being uh, who he is, put a justice. Uh, obviously, he would see somebody who wears a mask much differently than you know a young kid who you know would see these superhero type characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's was, been traumatized from. What happened when he was a kid? Yeah, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I wonder. I, I'm kind of curious if Angela's father uh, realizes what. I mean, does he? He says they're hiding something. What exactly does he know that Will is hiding? Does he know that Will's? I mean, is Will bisexual or gay? I mean, he's. I don't know if he's just you know actually gay and hiding. Because I mean, you know, we never you know see reference to him with a woman after his wife. I think. And Part of it is he's hiding his race, so he's hiding the fact that yeah, he's black. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, and he was hiding. And really, the most important thing he was hiding was all this anger he had just deep inside it, like, yes. you know, ate him up. Absolutely. And then that, that again, is an interesting. I mean, her father, the last thing her father says to him, to her, is this thing about the mask. Yet she grows up and chooses to wear a mask still. Kind of mm-hmm. nuts. Yeah, then we see a little part about her, uh, and this is she's still coming off the nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's in Saigon, an orphan, you know, uh, very strict. Um, she's uh, when she's there, the, the police come and they ask her if they can identify the other person involved in the bombing, who, as you mentioned, is the uh, marionette. Mm-hmm. Or what do you, Mary? I, is the marionette the doll or the guy? Puppeteer, I guess. I just call them my friends. <laughs> But yeah, who, uh, the other guy that, you know, as you pointed out, he looks both, you know, angry and, like, focused earlier. That's the other guy. She points him out, and then the police take him into an alley and just shoot him right there. And she asks if she can stay in here. Yeah, yeah, they don't let her watch it, but she wants to hear it. Which is interesting and totally within her character. Yeah, it's a, and it's an interesting idea. I mean, was she already going to be this way before her parents were murdered? I mean, she was already trying to rent the Sister Night video, you know? Yeah, it seemed like... I mean, it, it, it's in her blood in a sense. I mean, if it skips a generation, her grandfather was a police officer. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, a vigilante and someone with this kind of, you know, like eye for an eye type thing. And, and yeah, it, it definitely seems like she she has that, you know, inside her as well. And then we kind of cut back, and it's uh, Angela and um, Lady True's uh, assistant. It's her daughter, I think she said, Beyond. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of talking about like their memories, and uh, it's, it seems that uh, you kind of imply that Beyond is uh, is taking nostalgia as well. Yeah, because she like, has uh, these weird dreams, like yeah, she, like Angela no will have. Yeah, yeah, and then Angela kind of is like, oh, but then Angela's like, oh, it hurts. She's like saying it physically hurt too. So it's like, like it's like basically a torture. She should be. I mean, we already knew this, but just you know. Mm-hmm. To, to put it out there, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so then we go back, uh, and then we see her. Her grandmother uh, shows up. Uh, Will uh, Will Reeves' wife, uh, you know, 
who didn't even realize that she had a granddaughter because she had someone falling out with her son as well, apparently. Yeah, she she said to him he wanted to enlist in the army for Vietnam. And she said to him, if you go over to Vietnam, I'll never speak to you again. Because obviously she, you know, she doesn't like this, any of this. She doesn't like this anger. She doesn't like this. She thinks it's toxic. This kind of, I want to be a police officer. Yeah, she's not wrong. Yeah. I want to be a police officer, do this. I want to join the army and do that. She doesn't like it. She wants him to stay out of conflict. But he does. And then, you know, he doesn't talk to her, doesn't list her as next of kin, anything like that. But she... She writes a letter to him because she had a minor heart attack, she says. It wasn't a, a big deal. And, you know, she said the things like that can, can like, focus you and make you nostalgic for things or whatever. And she gets back a letter that says he's dead. So, you know, she finds out that he had a granddaughter, so she came to the orphanage to get her. And one of the things I love about this, the scene where they're in this cafe <clears throat> talking to each other, I and I like this about this show... Uh, Damon Lindelof or whomever the director of this episode was, I didn't, I didn't look or whoever's decision it was. I like Damian Lillard. Yeah. Damian Lillard. I like that, that they let, (laughs) you know, he's in right now. He's in a show called good girls. Damian Lillard is Mm -hmm. the basketball. Oh, no, Matthew Lillard. (laughs) 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 His cousin, Matt. Anyway, so, um, but one thing that I like that they do is they're not afraid to let a scene linger. They don't try to, they're obviously in this episode, there are things where they're cutting back between past and present and things like that. And, and as you mentioned, the time stuff, you know, we, we begin at an, you know, an older age, we move to, you know, a more, uh, you know, the, the modern age and everything we go to the eighties where, you know, we're all over the place, but I like that. And part of with all that cutting and all that kind of backstory and everything, I think it's nice that a lot of scenes like this, they're not afraid to just let them breathe, to just let them, you know, let this conversation happen and, and really focus on the silences and, and things like that. They don't, they're not rushing through things. And, and I think the scene is beautiful because of that. Yeah, and there's a it's, it's you know there's humor. She pulls off. She just carries a sister night VHS with her everywhere. Yes. <laughs> and then June's like, oh, I don't see. I, I'm sure we could watch that as soon as we get back. You know, to uh, to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. which apparently she's gone back to. Yep, she's taking her back to Tulsa. Yeah, and then so so they go out to uh, the cab and uh, they start to load up the thing. And because uh, the universe hates Angela Abar, apparently uh, she has a heart attack and dies right there on the spot in front of her. Yeah, so she saw her mom and dad exploded to death, and then she didn't see, but I mean, goes and sees her her grandmother's dead body as she dies of a heart attack, right when she's about to take yeah. her away from this horrible from this orphanage. Existence, yes. It's like what the fuck. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So we cut back to the future, uh, or back to the past. Marty's there. Yes. <laughs> um, Angela and Lady True are having dinner. You know, or you're you're sniping at each other because apparently that's what Angela does with every person she knows. <laughs> yes, she does like to have these kind of conversations. Except for Don Johnson, but yeah, and then then uh, Lady True gets a little like you know specific, asking about his amnesia. You know, she said, like, there was this, uh, you know, he had an accident. She keeps asking about it. She's, like, basically harassing her about it. And then Angela goes, who's the soldiers being taken? 
yeah. And that's when we find out that, wait, that's not her daughter. That's a clone of her mother. Yep. Her mom died. So before she died, she cloned her and took all her memories because when she accomplishes this thing, which she says is going to save humanity, she wants her parents. <laughs> which is a little weird. Yep. And she goes, Angela says, your dad's here someplace, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. The whole time, too, that she's in Lady True's little sanctuary here, she's hooked up to uh, her grandfather, which she believes. Yeah, what she thought was her grandfather. Yeah. Turns out, when she breaks in, that it's not her grandfather, but an elephant. Right, which is kind of a nice little play on, like, an elephant, you know, being known for having a good memory. Why? Yeah. I don't know. But that's right. what they say. They never forget. Right. And then we cut to this is a fun this is a very fun part I thought when Lori Blake goes to do some investigating. Yes, <laughs> I love yeah. this entire subplot. Yeah, this whole this, this whole scene is great. Great performances from both actresses. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes in and she's like you know talking to Jane, uh, asking about like you know she gets, she's pretty she kind of you know knows hey I, I know what happened here. Um, this guy hypnotized him and killed him, and this is why he did it. She goes, hey, I think this uh, Joe King guy is also part of the Seventh Cavalry, which we know to be true from last episode. Mm-hmm. And then, and then she 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 makes a pretty poignant comment. She goes, you know, white men in masks are heroes, black men in masks they're scary, which is why she said Will would hide, you know, whereas these people hiding is you know considered different. But then, um, mm-hmm. straight out of uh, cartoon villainry, uh, Jane presses a button, a trapdoor crashes, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and Lori hits the ground. She goes, she says to her. Well, that was because she says, oh, so the plan is to get the the uh, cops in masks, the bad guys in masks. You can't tell the two apart. And then you get uh, Keen elected president, and then everyone's kind of following his orders. And she's like, well, that was the plan at first. But then an amazing thing happened, which we, which we find out later what that amazing thing is. Um, and she's like, what are you talking about? Like, Lori's still, it's weird because it's almost like they're in, it's almost like they're in two different TV shows, but it works in, in like the best way because Lori's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, oh, was I not supposed to reveal my evil plan now? Because uh, you just, you were, you wouldn't stop talking. So I figured I'd just tell you. And then, yeah, it's she a tra- sly, It's a slight, it's a sly callback to the comics too, where, mm-hmm. you know, there is like this, like, Oh yeah, well you're doing this and this, and I know everything's happening. He's like, "Well, it's already done," you know. Like, and then he just presses the trap door. Which, thank God, they got that installed. <laughs> right? No kidding. Right in that spot where she decided to sit. And she calls and goes, uh, "Well, you want me to kill her or what?" And mm-hmm. then uh, Lori wakes up, and Senator uh, Joaquin himself is kind of like you know dangling over. Mm-hmm. I love this part too because he's all kind of like, you know, oh, you know, like he's talking about like his plan and everything. And she's like, seriously, like she goes, fine. If you need to, me to ask you what that cage is or why I'm, why I'm, uh, you know, like, uh, tied up here and everything, what's going on. Fine. Then tell me what, what's going on. Just know, I don't give a fuck what, what it is. She's so tired of all of this. Right. Yeah. Which is great. I, I hope, oh, see, I, I, I'm not, I, I don't want them to do a second season, but I would love to know, more information like what exactly happened to night owl why is he in jail and nobody Mm -hmm. else's yeah well the only like i said the only idea that i've heard from anybody that i thought might be interesting so far because like you said if like you know i'm not done with this obviously but if they wrap this storyline up 
uh, satisfactorily, which I assume they do, then I don't want a second season either. Um, Because this will be perfect, just this little thing the way it is. But somebody said to do a, a series of just Night Owl in prison. Like, not really related to anything that's going on in this show. Just I, I don't think the character is interesting enough to to hold a whole. Maybe like a movie. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. We it, it would he depend. was like the most boring of the characters in the in the whole comic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, because he's he's a a Batman you know thing, and and Batman's but, but he's like a he's like a he's like Batman that let himself go and wasn't all that power like you know physically powerful to begin with. <laughs> that's what I love. That's what I love. <laughs> love about the movie is that night owl's character is this it's just another failure of Zack snyder in, in this fucking movie is his character's like he's impotent and that's like a, a big thing you know and everything he's like yeah but what if uh Zack snyder's like yeah but what, what if he could still get boners and had abs and stuff <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you really don't understand any of this to use to use Zack snyder <laughs> i'm telling you the opening the opening scene to that movie might be one of the best opening scenes of all time it it's is perfect and the rest of it is the, it, it, it it's sharp downhill the entire rest of the movie it's the steepest cliff of any movie ever yeah i mean first to think you could do it in one movie is ridiculous yeah agreed oh my goodness but yeah, yeah Lori wakes up and uh joe keen's over and he's like uh well, it's extremely difficult to be a white man in america right now uh actually it, i don't think it ever one day has been <laughs> no the very first day we were here, we were very technologically advanced over the natives, and mm-hmm. uh, it didn't go well for them. Yep. And it's been good ever since. Pretty much, yes. But he says he might try to be a blue one. Whoa. Right. They've discovered, as Lady True says to Angela, we know that Dr. Manhattan's not on Mars. He's here on Earth pretending to be a person, and the 7th Cavalry is going to capture him, kill him somehow, and then become him. So obviously they have whatever they're working with this teleportation stuff and everything. They obviously have some sort of plan on how they could possibly kill Dr. Manhattan and leech his powers out in some way to, to become him. So obviously that's what Keen wants is not to be president, but to be God basically, which is better. Yep. That definitely would be better. But uh, I don't remember because I, I didn't rewatch this. I just I just read the recap because I watched it recently. Um, mm-hmm. is, did they explain how they figured out where Doctor Manhattan was in this episode, or is that another episode? Uh, no, they didn't explain in this episode. And oh, okay. it's actually pretty interesting. We only find out at the very end that it's Calvin, mm-hmm. and yeah. I did yeah. I did not expect this either. Like I said, I kind of as the show went along, I was like, I mean, I was sitting there and I was like, oh my god, I was right. <laughs> like as it's going on, but I did not expect at the end. So she says, Lady True, uh, Angela finds this uh, this like big globe, and she touches the globe, and what appears on the screen are people in the little Manhattan booths uh, talking to, trying to talk to Dr. Manhattan. And she sees Lori's from, from Tulsa. It's so, like, that kind of gives us a touchstone of, you know, we know what this is. And Lady True says, yeah, he's not listening because, you know, like that's why he doesn't answer any of their prayers or anything like that. It doesn't come down to help them. Uh, you know, I, you know, own all these, all these booths. And then as she's leaving, she tells her, she's like, you're crazy, whatever. And she goes to leave. And she says, you didn't ask who he is. 
Like I, I'm sure she knows. Like Lady True knows, and apparently oh, yeah. the Seventh Cavalry knows as well. Oh, real quick too, before we get into the final scene, um, right before Lori goes in to the house, uh, she talks to her little partner, and he's like, "Hey, um, you know how you thought that uh, that Looking Glass might be Seventh Cavalry? I don't think he is, because <laughs> I'm at his house and there's five dead Seventh Cavalry dudes, right? Which is awesome. <laughs> uh, but he's uh, he's not here now." One of the men doesn't have a mask. I'm guessing that maybe he stole the mask and is trying to go undercover or something like that. That's my guess. Don't tell me if I'm right or wrong, but that's because uh, that's that's my guess as to where he he might be. Uh, she calls him Mirror Guy again because she's never not going to, even when he's not around. She's still calling him Mirror Guy. She's very committed to the bit. But so then the the final scene comes. Angela's looking for. What we what we later discover is a hammer. Finds and, it, and, and Lady True, uh, you know, affirms that Will Will actually discovered this whole plot, and he yes. knows that they're trying. To, so I mean, you know, again, you know, even in his advanced age, Will is still, you know, a detective, you know, on the case, and mm. he's still uh, he killed Judd, so he's he's in a, you know, he's still doing heroic acts. Yeah, yeah, he knows exactly what's going on, or has figured it out. Uh, basically, the, the and I, we should add. I mean, I if I don't know how you've come this far if you're not actually watching the shows along with us or have seen them already. But we should add that this like Seventh Cavalry is basically a extension of these fucking like racists from the forties. Like, it, like it went. Yeah. He, he he dealt a blow to them obviously but it's continued at least some semblance of it has continued all through today uh and this is like them and he's still trying to to bring them down but yeah she brings out this hammer and says it's time to come out of the tunnel and he's like what are you talking about and she says yeah you don't you won't remember and he says oh is it from before my accident and she says there wasn't an accident we you know basically she she goes to on to explain how he's dr manhattan she doesn't come out and say the words but that he's Dr. Manhattan and they figured out this way that they could be together at least for a little while where he had his memories erased uh, and didn't know what was going on. So I did not expect this. She grabs the hammer and just ta- like slams and tears into his skull to pull out uh, the little circle, the little Dr. Manhattan circle from his head. And then you kind of see this blue glow off screen and she says, hi, you know, John or, or, or something like that. I, I think she says, I missed you baby or something. Like that. Yeah. And, and that's the, the end of this episode. Another fantastic episode obviously makes me want to, to watch more, but this, yeah, it's getting super exciting. And like you said, there are, when I went back and, and what listens or watched the, the first couple episodes over again already, I noticed some things that, you know, I didn't notice the first time yeah, around. It's, in that sense, like, it's, it's very much like the comic where it reveals more. Um, can I show you something that's probably perfect? Hmm. Did you look at the title to the uh, the next episode? Uh, oh, yeah. It's the um, uh, a, a God Walks Into a Bar or something like that. A bar. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's pretty great. Huh? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, this is a very good. I mean, it's it, it's hard to top last week's episode, mm-hmm. but a lot happens in this episode. This episode is very important to move along a lot of stuff. I mean, the reveal about Doctor Manhattan is obviously a really big one, but there's yep. a lot of information about you know Sister Knight. You know, her origin story is kind of you know we see a little few pieces of it here. 
Um, obviously, the reveal that uh, the Seventh Cavalry, uh, you know, Keen wants to become God itself is terrifying when you yeah. know that he's a uh, white supremacist. Yep, absolutely. But at the same time, that, that, that's an interesting question. If he becomes this all-knowing, uh, all-powerful being, would he still be a white supremacist? That's a very good question. I don't know. I mean, if you're all-knowing, well, how would you be racist? Right. Yeah, that's – yeah, because racism basically comes from ignorance uh, and fear – and if you became all powerful and all knowing, you would presumably have no fear and no ignorance. So, could you really be racist? Right. They should have just let him go through with it. The more you know. Right. Um. But yeah, I mean, excellent episode. Obviously, the this whole thing is building up to just. I mean, it's fantastic. Oh, oh, we almost forgot. There's one more part. Uh, oh, yes. Jeremy Irons and his, uh, his his trial. Yes, Adrian Veidt's trial, which, by the way, is also very interesting because they mention it's day 300 and something, about a year. It's been about a year. So that got me to thinking this, you know, these two things are not happening simultaneously, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, which, which is funny because I didn't realize it until this episode. It's like, oh, wait, that kind of... You know, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, you know, the first uh, very first episode, he gets a couple of birthday cakes. So it's two years right there. Yeah. Yeah. So things are not uh, obviously happening simultaneously on Earth as they are on there. Although I don't know how fast uh, a, a day is or a year is on this uh, moon that he's on either. So that also further messes with things. But either way, he's uh, he's on trial for trying to escape, which apparently is the only commandment, thou shalt not escape, or thou shalt not right. leave. And he's been trying to escape. The game warden is his, uh, is his judge. The jury and the audience and all the witnesses and the lawyers are made up of Mrs. Crookshanks and Mr. Phillips. Right, right. right. And basically, and then- yeah, go ahead. Then they, so they put on their they put on their uh, case for the entire year, mm-hmm. and then they, for that when the defense uh, has their chance to rebuttal, he just rips like the loudest fart you've ever heard. Yep, and then he goes to the defense rest. Yep, and then the game warden brings in. He says the the jury isn't of your peers, so I've 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 commissioned one to replace it. Seems an odd move after a year, but you know. <laughs> Uh-huh. So he calls them in, and they're a bunch of pigs. And he holds one of the pigs up, and he says, guilty or not guilty? And the pig, you know, whines or whinnies or whatever pigs, whatever, oinks, whatever sounds pig make. And suey, I guess, or whatever. And, right. um, you know, he says, guilty, and then everyone stands up and, and screams guilty at him. So he has been judged guilty. We'll have to see what his sentence is. Um Obviously, I don't know exactly what the hell's going on here. I'll be totally honest. Um, but Veidt has has obviously been imprisoned here. I would assume Doctor Manhattan has something to do with this, but you know, obviously, I don't know. We'll we'll, fi- we'll find out what happens with his attempts to escape and and all this stuff. Yeah, it's a you got a lot of even crazier stuff coming towards you, Mark. Mark, I can't wait. I, I think there's two episodes left. Uh, and it's I'm so much looking forward to this. Yeah, two or three. It's yeah, it's not much more. But that is our episode for the week. Uh, tune in next week for more uh, Watchmen talk, and uh, I don't know, just do other things. 
come and see us online. Oh, write write letters to us because we've got our our big hundredth episode coming out in a few weeks uh, or a couple months. <laughs> Before the end of the year, we'll have 100 episodes, and then we'll do a big celebration. Although, if you count the other show that we do, we've done more than 100 episodes, but whatever. Whatever. All right, we will see you next time. Bye. All right, see you next time.